you're interested in leadership and you want to lead as your most authentic self, this is the podcast for you. This is a show that breaks down the concept that leadership is complicated. Well, I'm going to let you in on a secret. It's not. I believe that it's an exchange of energy between two people. I want to create conversations for emerging and experienced leaders to come together and discover a new way to lead from the inside out. You already have everything that you need to be an exceptional leader. What we will uncover is the power of human connection and understanding how we are hardwired to seek out a true sense of belonging. So come join me. Let's create a community of leaders that are ready to challenge the status quo and who value human connections more than bottom lines. Hello everyone, it's Michelle back for another episode of Lead From Within. I hope you had a great week since the last time we left each other. And you may have noticed a little bit of a posting difference. I am going to be adding a small little nugget midweek that is a mini dose of inspiration. And I'm just going to pop in a uh, quote that I um, either found or that I have. I have a huge list of quotes that have resonated with me over the years. And I use them in a variety of ways. So I'm going to um, be offering those to you and you can use those to journal, to just think about, to use in your personal or professional life and or just ponder on. I have a whole list of topics that I want to bring to this podcast. Uh, But where I wanted to kind of keep going on is really kind of the fundamentals as I see them around leadership and and how you lead in an authentic way and in a way that makes people feel really safe. And last week's episode, I alluded to my leadership journey and that I really struggled over the years trying to find uh, a process or system or I don't know, the approach, I guess, that that worked for me. And I just found them all really complicated and not super sustainable. And by that, I mean, it, it seemed like you were trying to change characteristics of who you are rather than finding simple approaches that doesn't change who you are. It's just how you connect with people. And so I came up with a leadership approach and that has now parlayed into an eight-week online leadership program. And if you're interested in any of this, you can uh, go follow me on Instagram. There is in my uh, link there, or sorry, in my Um, profile, there's a link that you can go check these things out too. Um, But I called it person-centered leadership approach. And uh, person stands for uh, a different uh, area that I feel is very important. And so P is personal connections. E is emotional intelligence. R is respectful communications. S is self-care. O is ongoing learning or education. And N is never leaving anyone behind. And so today what I thought we would do is just sort of continue to ride that train and and work through that so that you can kind of understand the framework I've created and and get a sense of whether or not your leadership aligns with mine. And and I hope it does because I really want to build a community here. As I said, P is for personal connections. And, And I really believe that the only leadership skill that's fundamentally required in every leader It's just to learn how to build trust in the best way that you know how to do that in your own unique way so that people feel safe. Because trust and safety go hand in hand. The fastest way to build trust is to make people feel safe. And what we also know is that people generally don't behave well in the workplace when they don't feel safe. One way to do that is 
through your character. And character building has always been thought of as very subjective. And most people, I think, believe that it's something that we're just born with, or at least it's uh, strongly ingrained very early in our lifetime. It's been, I think, really difficult to find words to uh, describe the character of a person, whether that's good or bad, especially in a professional context, like in a workplace. And so one thing that I learned in doing a lot of research in the development of my leadership approach from other people's research, so not my own research, but reading a lot of journals and articles, and is that people follow those that they know, like, and trust. So I'm sure many of you have heard the know, like, and trust factor, and that's nothing new. I'm, I'm not telling you anything earth-shattering here. That is a fundamental, core, ingrained We all have it and we seek out people that we feel connected to and it makes it easier for us to trust them then and then to follow them. And on the other side of that, people will lose respect for you or leaders when you're not consistent in your approach and you don't stay true to your core values that you share with people. And the reason for this is that it's perceived as a component of what makes up your character. And so, as I said last week, I believe that leaders really must have a solid sense of self. You're not going to be able to successfully lead others, in my opinion, if you don't know who you are, what you want, or where you're going. And the more certain you become about your principles and your values and what motivates you, the easier it is going to be for you to stay consistent and feel really confident in your ability. So when you compromise your character or you're unclear on your own values it's probably going to be reflected in your actions and those two aren't going to align which is going to cause confusion for people they will then likely question whether or not what you're telling them is true or whether you can be trusted because they need to see that those two are constantly coming together and are cohesive So, you know, I I often ask the question to people, have you ever had your character questioned? And what did that feel like? So I know for me, when I've had my character questioned, and that goes back to the story that I shared last week in the episode, when that nurse made that allegation against me and my character was being questioned, it caused a lot of moral distress. You know, I, when I talk to leaders and organizations, And people are saying, I'm really stressed out and I feel burnt out. I often go back to ask the question, well, is it truly because of workload and what is being asked of you in your day-to-day job responsibilities? Or is it because you feel like you're not leading in your most authentic way and it's not aligning with your core values, which means that you feel like your character is constantly under scrutiny and it's causing you moral distress every day. I mean, you just can't stay in a state of fight or flight all the time. The other question that I asked you last week in last week's episode was, what do you really like or love about your job or your workplace? And the reason I also asked this question is because finding happiness in your work that meets your needs and allows you to live in your true values is always going to make you feel more satisfied than a job that pays really well or has great benefits but that you hate or at the least you don't like very much 
I heard a quote and I don't know who it's from. I think it, I don't know that it was actually a quote. I think it might've just been a context of a comment that was made, but it really sat with me. And I thought that it, it really articulated the point that I'm trying to express right now, which is what you do is less important than how you do it. You know, I think that's really important to remember as a leader. It's always the how that people remember. How did you show up for them? How did you create a safe container? How did you make people feel that they could trust you? How did you create a safe space? It's less about the what, it's about the how. You know, your attitudes and intentions can turn a job into work that fulfills you because of how it it benefits others. And if you're doing work that's making a difference in the lives of others, that's going to automatically feel so much more fulfilling and gratifying. Because most of us, I believe, that take pride in our work, others will notice that. It will become more of a, um, people will perceive that as passion of your work. And, and that becomes really contagious. There's also this really interesting scientific effect that happens in a research study that I found. And um, it, sh- it showed that employees who have employers who make them feel valued and who have autonomy in the work that they do extend this to their circle of influence. So it's kind of like that three degrees of separation. So if you're having a good day and you share that energy with the people that you lead, those people then in turn want to share that with those they lead. But the interesting thing is that it, it doesn't just transfer to the workplace. People then take that home with them. And so it can have a really strong impact also on our personal life, which is why I think when we talk about seeing employees as as a whole, as a whole person and not just the person that shows up eight hours a day for their job, ties into this whole concept of how important it is. So I wanted to talk a little bit about values and purpose and beliefs today. Yeah, and 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 you know, I I'd love to hear your comments. So I'm hoping that, you know, people will subscribe and then leave me some comments and and let me know what's resonating with you. So values in the way that I describe it is your present that has been built by your past. So your values are created from your environment. It could be um, how you how you see the world, but it also is influenced by our our inner circle. So our home life experiences we've had, our education and friends, and people need to feel that the work that they're doing is contributing to a larger good, and that it has purpose and gives them inspiration. It's important as a leader when you're focusing on your own values to also get a sense of what your employees value individually, so that you can create a culture that supports those values. And this might include work-life balance, fair pay, creativity. We've already talked about autonomy. And I think in some environments now, employers are going to be, I dare I say, forced to look at hybrid models of work where people are not asked to come back into the office just because um, health officials are telling us that it's safe to do so. If they've been able to do their work successfully from home for the last two years and the business has not been compromised, then why are we now asking them or expecting them to come back into the workplace and work? I think the important thing in in saying this is that if you don't ask what people want or value, you won't really know for sure. And I learned in my leadership development that if you make assumptions 
that's generally not a good thing to do because I think sometimes our intentions are good. We make assumptions based on what we think we're seeing or hearing, and then it doesn't always land well with people. And, you know, they'll say, well, if you would have just asked me, I would have told you. One of the suggestions that I have is surveys are great. And I try not to use the word but, but I'm going to use it here. And the reason why is that I don't think that they're the best approach when you're trying to find out the values of people because a lot of times people won't be completely honest in a survey if they've had bad experiences with surveys in the workplace in the past and by that I mean they can often be long and cumbersome and time-consuming they fill them out they don't sometimes see any action and there's no follow-up so my approach um, or my suggestion uh, is to do uh, an alternate approach, which is to just get out there and engage with people. Like it's, and it's so much less time consuming, really, because you don't have to sit down and create a survey and have it go out and make sure people are filling it out. And, you know, just go out there every day, go out for 10 minutes a day where the people are that you're leading and just ask a few questions, like a simple question, like what's important to you at work? That's, it's just really simple and you don't need to bring a notepad. It can just be a very organic conversation. You'll remember the things that people tell you, I promise you. Your brain has the capacity to hold on to that information. And then go back and really just start compiling what you're learning. The other thing that I do when I, when I do this exercise in the workplace, I usually make three columns. I make a column for my own personal values. I make a column for the employee values and that's the information I'm getting back when I ask those questions like what is important to you. And the third column that I make is a column that is the organizational values because what I need to start to see when I gather this information is do my values, the values of the employees, align with the organizational values. Because if they don't, that's where you're going to see a lot of moral distress in yourself, in employees that you serve, and you're not going to be really living the values of the organization. And that's a whole nother exercise to have, but it's really good to know that and to see because that can provide you a lot of clarity as a leader as to what might be going on in your organization if you feel like there's a disconnect or not great engagement from from your people. So for me... Finding purpose in the work is key, but also making sure that people that I work with have and feel that their work is purposeful because it provides direction. If you're creating a positive culture, these are the values and your habits that will support your purpose, which is your direction. And when you combine these together, it's going to start to define your workplace culture and make that culture more of a lived experience And that then improves the engagement that I was just talking about. And the reason for that is because people see themselves in the work. They feel like they have a purpose that's driving something larger than themselves and they're supporting a larger community of people. And my beliefs really are part of my core values because these are most often developed early in life and they're shaped by our lived experiences. And I I don't know about other people, but I find that these can be really hard to change because they've been with us so long. 
And I think this is where, you know, the unconscious bias comes in where sometimes we react in ways that we're not even consciously aware of because we have belief systems that are so ingrained and been with us so long that we create these to make sense of the world around us, whether that's telling us when we're in danger. Uh, you know, I think that this is where deeply held assumptions about ourselves and the world around us come from. And it gets embedded into our thinking and starts to shape our reality and our behaviors, not only of, of how we are holding ourselves to the world, but how we're also uh, engaging with other people. And I believe that for some, it's the root cause of, of some problems in the workplace. And it's easier, I think, to, to go to a, a negative uh, thought pattern than it is to a positive thought pattern. So the one thing that I wanted to bring up here again is I have I find value systems really interesting, and so I've done a lot of reading on it. And the one thing that came up in a lot of the research for me that I found very interesting is that core values aren't necessarily factual um, because what they do is they attract evidence that makes them stronger, and they repel anything that might challenge them. So. The example that I use when I try to describe this is that beliefs are shaped by what we see often. And you can tell people, I value you and you're so important to me um, and I want to make sure that you have work-life balance. But if they see you not doing that, so by that I mean coming in early in the morning and staying late at night or sending off emails until 11 o'clock at night, then that doesn't align with the core values you're telling them that you want for them so when they see you not living that then they start to believe that this is actually not a core value and then they might question your integrity and your character because we see mostly what we believe we need to see things with compassion and open hearts so that we can create beliefs that come from the same place of kindness and generosity not those that are negative negative and sabotaging I, you know, a lot of times when I work with uh, leaders individually, but also when I've done education sessions for organizations around this and how teams can work more cohesively, we talk about core beliefs that are not healthy. Sometimes these are just looking at individual beliefs, right? So um, when we look at those I am statements or very absolutes, um, you know, the whole world is a dangerous place. People are awful. I am the best. I am the worst. Um, and then that often is an example of self-loathing comments where, uh, you know, people will label themselves as stupid, bad, or not good enough, or incompetent, unworthy, or they might have heard other people label them in that way. Um, there can be thoughts that are manipulative. So, you know, people can't be trusted. The world isn't a great place. What I try to do when, when these start coming up and I hear them coming up in the conversations that we're having when we do small group work is where did these beliefs come from? And often people have no idea and it's and it's very hard for them to to be able to give me an answer and often they can't give me an answer because they've been with them for so long, they don't even remember where they were introduced. And, and sometimes it can be from family members, from our parents that in terms of how they were raised, they raise us to, to have the same belief systems. And so we don't really have a conscious recognition of when that belief was um started to get shaped and it's just something that feels like it's been with us forever 
So, I mean, for some people, they journal on it. Um, but for other people, it's just as simple as saying, well, where did the belief come from? Well, I don't know. I don't remember. I've had it forever. Okay, well, that's good enough. And then asking yourself, well, what is shaping that? What If what you see in the world, is that really true? Or is this just a narrative that you believe because it's been with you for for a really long time? And then I think the last question, which often people have to really go away, and if they want to learn to lead better and hold space for people better, they will do the work required because this is a hard one. It's asking yourself, is this belief serving me anymore? And if if it's not, then you need to start that self-conversation about creating alternative beliefs. My experience has been in trying to bring teams together and encourage cohesive team building is helping people understand how to challenge the beliefs of others in a really kind and respectful way. Because you can't get to that place of being able to challenge other people's beliefs if you haven't already built a safe place where people trust each other, value each other, and have respect for one another. These are conversations that often will happen months or even a year or greater down the road after I've started working with teams because you can't expect people to be kind and respectful and often come with humility and empathy to a conversation with people that they haven't developed trust and curiosity and respect for. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's so important to be able to get to very high functioning team levels that we look at these like core issues first and figure out how to establish these belief systems. I talked a little bit about like moral distress earlier and that often when your, you know, values and your integrity and your character is being questioned, it can bring up moral distress. And this is a term that I use quite freely, but I'm cognizant that some people might not be familiar with it. So the definition that I found for moral distress that I liked the best is that it is described best as when leaders are mandated to focus or profit at the detriment of themselves or the people they're leading. And so it's really then where there's a conflict between the internal dialogue of, I know this isn't right, this doesn't feel right, this doesn't feel like it's true to who I am, but I'm being told that I have to do it to meet a bottom line, or because um, if I don't, I'm going to lose my job, or um, my boss told me that this is just what I have to do, even though I don't really believe in it, and it's not aligning with what I think is the next best step. Um, I just wanted to kind of comment on that. So I wanted to share a little bit of neuroscience with you because I've really gotten into the work of uh, some neuroscientists and I just find it really fascinating, some of the new research that's out there. And so what we have learned about our brains in the neuroscience world is if something is believed to be true, it's as strong as it is being proven to be true. So our brains don't know the difference between conscious and unconscious thoughts. And I talked about this a little bit last week when I talked about when you have like vivid dreams and you feel like it was a real dream. Well, when your brain thinks that something is actually happening, it doesn't matter if you're in a dream state to your brain, that actually happened. So when we believe at our core that something is true, then we will absolutely behave in a way that we believe it to be true, even if it's not. 
And this, the thing about this that I think is really important for leadership from the context of leadership is that this is contagious. And I've seen this before in dysfunctional teams is that people create this collective story or a narrative that becomes the runway for how they show up for other people. So the best example of that that I can give is, um, as I shared, I worked, I've worked i worked in long-term care settings for many, many years, and when I go in to work with teams, I often see, and this is so common in, across all of the homes, is this judgment that uh, day shift staff think that their shift is the most difficult And then when I talk to evening staff, they'll argue that their shift is the most difficult. And then night staff will say that their job is the most difficult. All three of those groups will undermine the other two and say, oh, they, you know, they say that, but at night the residents are sleeping. They don't have to do anything. They all sit around and they sleep. And evenings will say, well, you know, day shift just leaves things for us to do. So then we're constantly trying to catch up and we've got all these residents that we have to feed and then get into bed. And, you know, day shift will say, well, we have lunch and dinner we have to prep for. We have to get people up in the morning. You know, it's it's just this narrative that they've all created that their work is uh, harder and more important than their teammates. So I spoke a little bit about integrity just a few moments ago and I wanted to continue on with that a little bit because I think that that ties into the whole idea also of when we feel ourselves being in a little bit of moral distress. And typically integrity surfaces when your actions and values align. So when you feel like you are practicing with full integrity is because your actions and your values are aligning and you just feel like you're you're in the zone. When your intuition starts to tell you that something is off, I always tell emerging leaders who are learning to develop some of their leadership skills is listen to your intuition. You don't need to have read a million books to be a great leader. We all have the capacity in us. That's why I created this podcast called Lead From Within because I truly believe that we are all created with the capacity to lead in an extraordinary way and change people's lives with who we are and what we have inside of us already. So listen to your intuition. If it's telling you something is off, that's generally your best guide. If you're not feeling happy or you're feeling sort of out of alignment, something's just niggling in your tummy and it doesn't feel right, it's usually an indication that your core values and your actions are conflicting. So this is where you have to go back to what is my why? Why am I doing this? You know, here's an example. I started this podcast because I want to create a community of leaders who understand that leadership doesn't need to be complicated. It's an exchange of energy between two people. And if you treat people well and create a safe space, then you are going to be leading in your most authentic way. You already have everything that you need to lead. You don't need to learn to develop hard skills and soft skills and all of the things. So if I started 
heading down a path with this podcast of all of a sudden I started introducing different leadership styles that I've read over the years and tried to give you the runway of how you can build out leadership, then I'm going to start to feel out of alignment and it's going to come off as really inauthentic for people who are listening to this podcast because I'm not following my why. That's not why I created this. I created this because I know that what we're doing isn't working and people are struggling trying to show up as leaders using formulas that have been around for 30 and 40 years and they're not working. And the reason they're not working is because we're focusing on the outcome instead of the people we're serving. And if we just treated people well and did the right thing and focused on making meaningful human connections, everybody would be a fantastic leader. That's the best example that I can give. And you can probably hear in my voice that when, when I speak that way, I'm in full alignment because I know that my why is aligning with my core values, which then builds my integrity because I'm speaking from a place of trueness, from, from trueness. It's coming from my gut. I know that everything that I say is true. I know it. I, in, in the core of me, I know that what I say is true and that if people follow this path, they can find a better way, a more simple way, and they can feel more in alignment with themselves. And I want so badly to create that for people. Okay, so I promised that I would always give you takeaways and things that I hope maybe will help you in your practice that you can just try and implement. How can you make others be more aware of your values and really put your integrity to the test? I, I think that's it's fun to do. The first and easiest thing you can do is just share a little bit about yourself and get to know others in, in a way that feels right for you. It's probably going to feel a little bit awkward when you first start this if it's not something you do on a regular basis, but I promise it'll get easier the more you practice. It's really that whole saying of, you know, practice makes perfect. It's a new muscle you're learning to flex, and once you do it over and over again, you'll have that muscle memory built up, and it will get easier and will feel less awkward. The act of sharing yourself and connecting with other people, as I said earlier, builds trust. And it also shows them that you're genuinely interested in making those meaningful connections. Um, So here's one of the things that I would do at the end of most days. And I would stand outside our hand scanner where our employees would come in and leave at the beginning and end of their shift and they would have to scan in and out. And I would often stand there at the end of their shift and say, hi, how are you today? And I found at the beginning when I was practicing, all I would get generally was good, fine, okay, yeah, great, awesome. Kind of like, why are you here? I just want to go home. Don't try to make conversation with me. And I realized that people will make a decision in the first five seconds of a conversation about whether or not they think I'm being genuine and authentic. And so I really needed to show them that I was truly interested in not just asking a question like, how was your day, to get a yes or no answer or something that I think they thought would appease me. What I started to do was I would ask them, did you have a good day? And if I still got a yes, then I would say, what was the best part of your day today? And I would always follow up with saying, is there anything that you need from me? Or... Thank you so much for coming to work today and doing the best job that you could do. And often that was what I said, and I didn't ask them questions. Because I believe that most people come to work 
as the best version of themselves. And it's not always the best version, but it's the best version on that day. And we need to give people grace sometimes. So as you make these connections and you feel more comfortable making these connections, what it tells the other person is that you don't need anything from them. And all you're trying to do is show up and there's no hidden agenda. You're just there to have a conversation. And when you start paying attention to other people's interests and passions, and when you, um, you know, hear something or you read an article or you hear something in the news related to that and you can share it with them the next time you have a conversation that has a great deal of meaning it connects people and it makes people start to develop that that uh trusting factor with others i used to do this all the time when i was managing large teams in long-term care homes i would really make an effort to get to know what types of things people were doing outside of work. And so if I heard something or an event that was coming up, the next time I saw them, I would say, hey, Mary, did you know that there's a, I don't know, a food truck fair that's coming up next week? And I know that you really like going to food trucks on the weekend. Did you know? And if she says no, I'd be like, oh, come see me. I have the article on my desk. I'll I'll give it to you before you go home today. I would also get to know the names of their family members and their children. I also knew if they were a single parent. Because if they were showing up for work late or calling in sick a lot, I generally found that the single moms and dads that we had, it's because they either had a sick child at home or a child with sometimes special needs and um, it was difficult for them to often find childcare. And they were afraid to share that because I think they were maybe worried about their job. So when I would have them come into my office and talked to want to talk to them about it there would often be a lot of tears but they were tears of relief because i was asking them what can we do to help support you i know this is not a performance issue and it just creates this human space to connect with people to see them for all of who they are outside of work so that you can support them so when they are at work They're giving you their best because they want to. They feel so connected and loyal and that you've created this safe container for them that they want to bring their best self to work. So I want to wrap up today's episode with one call to action. I'd like you to try spending 10 minutes a day if you don't already do this, trying to connect with at least two people each day for no reason. And make sure it's not two people that you already feel really close to and connected to. You should really be trying to uh, make new connections with two new people every day and then kind of start circling back to those people so you keep that connection. So try that this week. Send me some messages on Instagram. Go over and leave me some messages on Instagram and let me know how this is landing for you. Thank you so much for joining me again and I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead From Within podcast. For more information on leadership, employee engagement, and self-care, you can follow me on Instagram, Curis Consulting. Curis is spelt C-U-R-I-S. So that's Curis underscore consulting. Click on the link tree link at the top of my bio for a free discovery call with me and to get some free downloads. You can also join the Lead From Within Facebook group Or you can visit my website at www.curisconsulting.ca. 
If you feel inspired to, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. Your support is greatly appreciated. Thanks again for tuning in and see you in the next episode.